episode 346, dated Friday, February 9th, 2024. You are listening to the In Perspective weekly podcast with Bob Branco and Peter Outchul. Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to In Perspective. I am Bob Branco for episode 346, dated Friday, February 9th, 2024. With me today, as always, Peter Alchil, my friend and colleague and co-host. Peter, what's going on today in Coos Bay? Your typical dreary, cold, cold day, but it's not pouring rain, and that's always a good thing for February in Coos Bay. So we're, we're, we're doing fine. And it's been partly cloudy here, temperature about 40, and we're going to have a little warm-up this weekend up here in the Northeast. So that's a good thing. I want to thank those people who make it possible for In Perspective to be aired. We start out with Raymond Gay, our producer. Thank you for editing our programs, making them quality shows. Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place, thank you for posting our shows on your chat service bulletin board. Thank you for that. I want to thank our media outlets for airing us when they do. Thank you for that. And Jacqueline Sylvia, our web designer, for archiving our programs on my website. All you have to do to find our archived shows is go to www.brancoevents.com, arrow down until you get to In Perspective Podcasts, click on that, and you will see most of our archives from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie. I also want to recognize Cindy, and I want to thank her for being our host for today's program, and I also want to thank Chanel for helping out. And for those people who listen to us on ACB Media 5 or any other streaming service that do not necessarily have our email address, let me give it out in case people have questions or comments about our shows. It is bobbranco93 at gmail.com, B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-O 93 at gmail.com. That's all one word, by the way. So just write us if you have any comments about In Perspective, either today's show or generally speaking. We are very pleased to welcome back again on our show Former New York Congressman John Le Boutelier, it's always a pleasure having you with us to update us on the wide world of politics and everything else that goes with that topic. Hi, Congressman, how are you? Good afternoon, Bob and Peter and Cindy and all the listeners. Great to be back. I always look forward to this when you've invited me on. We already have a couple more dates coming up scheduled, so thank you for having me, and off we go. I want to start out by mentioning two major highlights that happened last night almost simultaneously. Of course, the cynics think that there's a conspiracy going on, but I'm not going to touch on that. I just want to touch on the two highlights, and hopefully you can comment on either one. I want to start out with Tucker Carlson and his role in trying to get to the bottom of why the United States wants to continuously donate billions of dollars to help Ukraine. And I understand he interviewed Vladimir Putin in the process. Yeah, I did not see it. I've read about it since it happened. It was apparently a pathetic performance where Putin basically raked Tucker Carlson over the coals, even though Tucker Carlson is unabashedly pro-Putin and uses people like Tucker Carlson to get his 
malicious views out there and try to undermine this country. And on the question, I guess it's your question of why we give money or we should be continuing to give money to Ukraine. It's because if we don't help Ukraine stop the Russian invasion, they will take Ukraine. They will massacre hundreds of thousands of more innocent people. And then they'll move on and go to Estonia, Latvia, maybe Poland, and God knows what. Okay, you, so must next- stop, you must stop this aggression of a so- into a sovereign country. If you don't stop it, the monster keeps going for more. Are other countries helping us? Because a huge, it's like, absolutely. It's like, the Euro- no, come on. Are you kidding? Last week, the European Union voted to give Ukraine $54 billion. And that's fantastic. So they are helping. And they are giving military equipment, but they need our help, too. This is a big deal of taking on one of the three world superpowers, and they've held them off for two years. But they need American help, and it's it's going to pass the Senate in the next few days and go over to the House of Representatives, and then there's going to have to be something done to get it passed, to get it through the House. I think maybe because the Speaker has sort of sent mixed signals about what he's going to do. I think he's a little... He's learning on the job how to be the speaker, and he's having some trouble. So if he refuses to to bring it to a vote, there is another way to do it, which is called a discharge petition, where a member, it doesn't matter, it can be a Democrat or a Republican, starts a petition, and when he gets 218 votes, he brings it to the well of the House of Representatives and 218 would be a majority, of course. And at that point, that forces a vote, even over the objection of the Speaker and the Republican leadership. And there are way more than 218 members who will vote for this thing. The problem is the Republican leadership is scared of Trump and scared of MAGA, and they don't want to help Ukraine. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, let me just finish this last point, Bob. Marjorie Taylor Greene, has said that if Speaker Johnson brings to the floor a bill with aid for Ukraine in it, she will make a motion to vacate the chair, which is what they did in October, September, October, to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. They've got this inane system at the moment that one congressperson can bring a motion to have a vote by the whole House to throw the Speaker out. So Johnson's got that looking around his head that if I make a move here, she's going to try to throw me out. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Sorry, Bob. That's quite all right, Congressman. I'm just grateful that the United States can come up with all of this money. We have plenty of money. We have plenty of money. We have a budget this year of three and a half trillion dollars. So 60 billion to Ukraine is a drop in the bucket. And the bill, the bill is $95 billion. So there's 20-plus to Israel, 10 to Taiwan. There's some military aid and some humanitarian aid to other people mixed in, humanitarian aid to Gaza. It's a total bill of $95 billion. So my other, other, well, go, ahead, go ahead, Bob. My other comment has to do with 
President Biden's last minute press conference last night. What do you make of that press conference? That came well, he was, he was really ticked off. Yeah. He, he didn't like what special counsel her, which is spelled H U R for those who are listening to us. We're not talking about a woman and saying her, her. It's Mr. Her. And there was some stuff in that report that really ticked off Biden, especially about that Biden couldn't remember when his son Bo died and that he was a forgetful old man and all that. And that really ticked off Biden. And he came out at eight o'clock ish last night. Press was assembled. He came in the room and really was PO'd and tried to show people that he was all right and got into a bit of a tiff with some of the reporters. And I tell you, I've been thinking about it since last night and, and this morning that I think what went on here, now I don't know this, but Biden improperly kept classified stuff from when he was vice president and some from when he was a senator. They were not top secret, but they were secret classified stuff that he should not have had, including he, he took no, he takes notes, apparently. And apparently when you're in the government and you're being told classified info. OK, so so, Bob, you tell me something classified and I have a notebook. I take my pen out, and make notes in my notebook on the classified stuff you tell me. And I put it in my notebook in my handwriting. Well, guess what? I can't keep that notebook. I have to give that back to the government because I put classified info in there. Well, guess what? He didn't give them back. He kept them. He kept them. We've seen the box of stuff. There was other stuff at his office in Washington. He shouldn't have kept it. He knows and knew he shouldn't have kept it. He used some of it to write a book in 2017 when he was finished being vice president. And when this investigation got going and he finally got interviewed on October 8th and 9th, this last October, the day, the two days after the Hamas attack on Israel. And they say he was a forgetful old man. I, I don't think it's forgetful. I think he acted forgetful. I think rather than admit he was wrong, I think he said, well, you know, I, I, I don't really remember. I, I don't remember keeping this stuff. And it's, you know, it's like these guys during Watergate. I remember in all those hearings of Watergate. Well, Senator, I don't recall. I, I don't recall. I, I don't recall that. I need to refresh my memory. I don't remember. And I think that's what he did here. I think he remembers. He knows exactly what he did. He kept those papers, shouldn't have kept them. When they found them, when he found them or his staff found them in his garage and in his office in D.C., he gave them right back. He didn't order anybody to lie or destroy them or hide them. He gave them back. But he shouldn't have had them. And that's that's what has set this thing off. Congressman, I want to go back to the whole Ukraine thing and, and tying it to the immigration issue, which I find really annoying and interesting. So a, as we know, the uh, the Republican, several senators got together and negotiated a, a immigration deal that was very much pro what the Republicans wanted. And yet the and, and tied to that was uh, also uh, aid to Ukraine, aid to Israel and aid to Taiwan. 
and the Republicans decided they didn't like the bill after all and voted against it. And a, a lot of the talk is to, you know, why the Republicans vote against it in this issue for, you know, uh, Trump, it, they blame Trump for it. I also wonder, though, I think a lot of Republicans, I don't know what percentage of Republicans, in fact, don't support our supporter of Ukraine and would just, would just assume it have Putin, you know, it, uh, and, you know, com, you know, at least get what he has in Ukraine, you know, and I think that some people are arguing that the issue wasn't so much the immigration. It was, we don't want any more money going to Ukraine. Many folks like Putin, including Tucker Carlson. I remember back before Putin invaded Ukraine, that there are a lot of conservative Christians who viewed Putin as sort of the last best hope for conservative Christianity. You know, he was anti-gay rights. He was he was pro-life. He was always, you know, he was re- resurrecting the Christian church. And then all of a sudden when Putin invades Ukraine, oops, that's the problem, isn't it? Because he's killing all these people. I, I suspect that there are a lot of Republicans who just don't want to support the, the Ukraine thing. And we can go back to immigration because I want to talk to you about that too. But does that, you know, what do you think of all that? Well, I think uh, you've got a lot right, but there's an earlier step, which was the administration proposed the foreign aid to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan right. as a standalone bill. And they had just gotten in the That's house, true. the new, the new speaker. And he says right away, we're not listening to that until we secure our southern border. You're right. Right. So over in the Senate, where they do support most of the Republicans there do support aid to Ukraine and they want to fix the border. too. they said, OK, you're linking those two together. Let's make a deal on the border. And the Democrats who want the aid to go to Ukraine and Israel. And this is the odd thing now in my life to see the Democrats are more hawkish now than Republicans it used to be the exact opposite. The Democrats were doves, Republicans were hawks. It has done a 180. It's amazing. But anyway, and so they they negotiated, as you said, and got a deal that apparently to all those doing the deal, including Lankford from Oklahoma, who's a very good conservative guy, that this was the best immigration deal since the mid-1980s, and we ought to take it. And the minute Trump put his thumb on the scale, that was the end of it. So now that's dead. So now the Senate took the foreign aid part, and we're back to that again. They just forget the immigration. Let's just do Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, $95 billion. And that is about to pass the Senate in the next couple of days, maybe by Tuesday. That's going to pass, go over to the House. And at that point, we'll see. But they're going to get that thing passed in the House. They will get it passed. The United States is not going to let Vladimir Putin win. Even and I, and I hate to say it, even with the Republican Party being a de facto ally of Putin. And what you said about some people here, including conservative Christians, are digging Putin. Well, it's disgraceful. You know, no, no real Christian could ever favor a guy that goes into a neighboring country, kills civilians left and right, unprovoked, kidnaps children, takes them back to Russia to re-indoctrinate them, you know, bombs people all over the place. No, no, you're not a real Christian if that's your, you're supporting that. You're a fraud. I'm a Christian 
And I decry that kind of behavior. And I decry people who say they're conservative Christians. What the hell? What does religion have to do with Vladimir Putin killing people? I mean, it's insane. And by the way, Hitler was a Christian. How many Christians were supporting him because of that? You know, I I will tell you that my dad uh, had to flee uh, Germany because of Hitler, and he wasn't even Jewish. There was too much blood. Oh yeah, Jewish. He killed. Yeah, he killed a lot of non-Jews over there. That's what people don't talk about. They talk about the Jews, as we should, but there were six million other people that were killed. And, and and your point is right, Congressman. There there are plenty of Christians over in this country before he went World War II that supported Hitler. You know, I guess being a lesser of two evils with with Stalin, I guess they decided that he was he was better. But what a what a what a a, from my perspective, a really poor witness. I want to go back. There there has been. Excuse me. Let me just finish my point. There's been a strong strain in American history going back to the revolution of a lot of Americans favoring dictatorship. When the king uh, ran the colonies. And the colonies broke away and declared war against Great Britain, against the royalty. A lot of American colonists packed up and went back to England. They they got out of here. It was estimated at the time, they didn't have public polling like they do now, obviously, but they, they did sample what people thought. Up to 40% of the colonists favored the crown. Even though they're Americans living in America in these 13 colonies, 40% sided with the king. So I'm not surprised that there are people here who side with Putin and sided with Hitler, like Charles Lindbergh. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It's part of the American deal, just like there's a it was a big part of America was in favor of slavery. So I want to I want to talk about immigration a little more. And for those, I've been sending Congress uh, the congressmen some articles from the conservative viewpoint. Yep. And yep. and I I was I'm curious to know sort of your take on the articles. And let me do my best to summarize as I most remember them. Their basic article, their basic argument is this this deal is not even necessary because Biden can just do everything he wants by the stroke of a pen. He doesn't need Congress. And the that's other, not true. Well, that is that's, so, so I, I, wanted true. Your, I wanted you to react to that. So go right. ahead. The, the greatest witness that that's not true is Donald Trump. Yeah. Who, when he was president in 2019 and 2020, was constantly railing that I need the law change in order to do what I want at the border. And Congress wouldn't change it for him. And now Biden, in order to do stronger measures, he's asking Congress to change the law which they still won't do. So I don't think people think the president of the United States is a dictator and a king and all that and a Putin. And and he just says, oh, uh, close the border and some door is shut and no one can come through that. The border is twenty five hundred miles long. There is no fence. There's a few hundred miles of fence. There's no fence across the whole thing. And Trump never built the fence, lied about it. He lied about it, never got it paid for by Mexico. He built a few hundred miles of replacement wall for the wall that was already up. And then he built, I don't know, 50 miles of new fence or something. 
And I don't know that we'll ever build a wall. And I don't even think a wall will do the job. No, people won't. can go over the wall. <laughs> so Plus they come into the country other... from the east, from the west, from the north. They come from all parts of the world. They don't have to jump the wall. Yeah, but the big bulk of them is the southern border. We And we've seen video of them coming through. And, you know, but this bill had a lot of stuff. The bill that has now been killed by the Republicans after they wanted it. But it that bill had a lot of stuff in there that would make it harder for people to come in. You don't automatically get an amnesty hearing. You don't get to come in willy-nilly like they're presently able to do. Man, was, there was a lot of stuff in there, and it was good. Didn't address everything. Didn't address DACA. The Dreamers didn't do that. The Democrats want to do that, but they couldn't put it in this bill. So that's got to some other day get done. But I don't know when that day's coming. I mean, we have another election this year. That will help determine some of this. The other thing that the conservatives are arguing is that all Biden needs to do is, is bring the military down to the border and, and let the military deal with it. My my basic question is not allowed. Is that legal? Not allowed. No. That's that's what I thought. Posse comitatus prohibits the use of the U.S. military for police function in, inside the United States. You can do National Guard. You can do that. Obviously, police and other federal law enforcement. But you can't, you know, pack up active duty army and move them down there. You're not allowed to do it. And and even if you did, so how's that going to work? We're going to have the U.S. Army stationed all across the southern border to do what? They're going to shoot people? They're going to shoot these families coming across? I I find it hard to believe. Yeah, I I just found I just found that argument so bizarre. I I don't know how to re, you know even to sort of respond to it. I want to I want to turn a corner before we uh, before we open it up for questions. I want to talk about the economy for a second. And, you know, the, the sort of prevailing view is that the economy is doing pretty well. Inflation is coming down. Job growth is astounding. You know, if, if wages are increasing uh, greater than inflation, at, at, especially in the lower end of the, of the, of the, of the spectrum, the law, the market's doing pretty well. All this stuff is good. And of course, the conservatives are trying to find stats that show the opposite and, and, one of the things they talk about, the, the two, the, the two major things they talk about is bankruptcy apparently is a, is at an all time high. People are becoming, are declaring back, master, yeah. which, which yeah. makes sense under the circumstances. Yeah. And then the other issue has to do with the, 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 the cost of living are, are highest in the areas where it's noticed more noticeably. I'm saying that badly. Food, for example, real housing. And there's a third which I'm forgetting. Oh, fuel, gas, via fuel. And so I guess my question is more of a communications question. I mean, more than a policy question. How, because the policy to think that people are still supporting Trump over Biden and, and managing the economy. And that's not a good sign if you want Biden to win the election. So I guess my question is, how do you address these anomalies? If, if you're Trump, if you're, if you're Biden? Well, first of all, let's, Get straightened out a couple things for the listeners. Everything you said, I think, is accurate. The stock market, you said, is doing pretty well. Stock market has never been higher than it is now, ever, in its history. In 28 states, gas now is under $3 a gallon. 
And the one that is really shocking is that we are today at an all-time high in domestic energy production. We have never produced here in the United States more energy, including fossil fuels, coal, drilling for oil, natural gas, all of it, never produced more than we're producing now. Are we the biggest energy producer in the world? So when I hear Trump say, oh, on day one, I'm going to be just for one day, I'm going to be a dictator and I'm going to do two things. I'm going to close the border. Okay, how are you going to do that? You can't, not just by ordering it. If Congress and you ordered it as legislation, then maybe you can. I don't know. But just an executive order, not happening. And he said, and I'm going to drill, baby, drill. And people cheer and all. But we don't need to drill anymore. We were producing plenty. You want to produce more? Go ahead. But it's not like this government has stopped the production of energy. Well, the the reputation seems to be, Congressman, that we closed our pipeline when Biden got into office. Now, if that's not true, then you can correct that. It was was the one pipeline from Canada that was not going to help us. That pipeline took a gas or oil, I forget, from Canada down the middle of America to near New Orleans and put it on freighters out of America. It wasn't American gas, and it wasn't going to go to American consumers. had nothing to do with America other than it transversed our country. It wasn't produced in America. It's produced in Canada. And by the way, Canada has higher inflation than we do higher gas prices than we do, higher unemployment than we do. We have the best economy in the world here. And it's not just all these people who are trying to get in here. It's the money is coming here from Asia, from everywhere. They want to put it here. They make a better return here than anywhere else. So I guess my question, though, Congressman, is the what I originally asked. How do you – there's a disconnect between what people believe and – what you're saying, you know, uh, what you're saying is accurate. I, I'm not arguing. Right, right. Well, I think the, the White House obviously has done a terrible job selling the record of this administration. I mean, they just they don't sell it. I don't know why they don't sell it, but they're not and haven't. Now, maybe they still can. I don't know. On the other hand, when I look at elections in 22 and 23, uh, the Democrats win almost everything. You know, everything looks so grim. But then when the election comes, the Democrats win. All these special elections last year in the congressional elections, were, oh, it's going to be a big Republican red wave, 40 to 60 seats. They ended up winning a net of five seats in the first midterm of the new president, of you know, presidency of Joe Biden. That's normally when it's a terrible uh year for the president's party didn't turn out that way i want to get back so to I, I don't know you know yeah i want ahead. to get back to immigration briefly before we turn the program over to our participants we're having a practical problem especially here in massachusetts now i'm hearing that our governor wants to take old office buildings on the boston waterfront that are no longer used because people are working from home and instead of knocking the buildings down, they're going to use them for illegal migrants to go in there and live. Mm-hmm. And I know we have a shelter obligation here in Massachusetts. I don't remember what it's called. 
And that kind of reinforces what the governor's doing because she has that backing. But what are we going to do eventually? We're going to run out of space for all these people that come. That are well, we got to stop them from coming in. You know, we got to have Mexico help us stop them coming in. And, and, and a lot of them are here. We've got to encourage them to leave, either throw them out or they'll wake up one day and realize my life somewhere else is better than here because we can't have all of them here. You're right. And it's not just Boston. It's New York and Chicago and everywhere. And however, however, whatever we do, this is America. We're not going to treat these people badly. It's not right. They've got to be housed and fed. And if they can work while they're here, let them work. As long as they, it's all, you know, up, up front. Um, and how do we encourage them to go through the process that my grandparents went through, that a lot of people's grandparents and great grandparents went through? Get legalized at Ellis Island. I'm not saying Ellis Island is the be all. Well, we don't have Ellis Island anymore. We don't have that. You know, they, now you get legalized before you come here. You get in a line in Palermo, Italy, and you might have to wait 12 years before you legally can emigrate to the United States. So what do we do now? What would be the well, and these now? people, these people blew up the system, obviously. <laughs> they broke, you know, they didn't follow the rules. They came here illegally. I'm just saying, be a human, you know, I'm not saying it to you, Bob, and, and everybody. I'm just saying, Look, while they're here, whatever they did, it's not like the worst thing on the planet. They're human beings with children, with problems. They, they're all fleeing terrible circumstances. No one's packing up from a nice life in South America and coming up here. They're leaving a disaster and believe that America will save them. So I don't know that we can save them, but we certainly don't want to harm them. And if they have to live in a building downtown in Boston for a year before they go home to El Salvador or whatever's going to happen, fine. But I don't want them freezing to death on the streets. I don't, you know, I mean, we don't want that. We're, no, we don't. We're, we're a humanitarian place here. Congressman, do you think there are some conservatives calling, uh, you know, the immigration situation an invasion? Do you, do you view that? Do you view it as an invasion? No. No, I, I see it as, the magnetism of the United States that people are dying to come here. Was it an invasion when the boat people came here after Vietnam fell and the South Vietnamese escaped and they wanted to come here? Was that an invasion? I don't think so. We've had these waves of immigration for over a hundred plus years, 150 years. And I don't, I don't, I think that's, I think the language from the Republicans plays for the lowest common denominator, which is nothing new. We've had this, the know nothing party, the nativist party, anti-immigration has been a big part of the history of this country. And it does get you votes, but usually a minority of votes, by the way, it's not really a totally winning issue because all of us were immigrant, are from immigrant families. And prior to Ellis Island, Bob, there was no legal immigration. People just came to this country. We have we have over a million people in America from Ireland who whose relatives came here illegally. They're not Hispanic. They're not from the southern border. They're from good old Ireland and came over here and have now, you know, they're 
that was years ago. So now their children and grandchildren are American citizens because if you're born here, you're automatically an American. But their I'm sorry, when provenance, I their provenance was illegal. <laughs> when I was in high school, I went to a public high school that was the, the largest ethnic group for Italian Americans. And there was a small minority, I don't know what the percentage was, who, who talked about coming here illegally for, you know, what in one way or another. You know, this, this is not now, it wasn't to, to the extent that I think it's happening now, but coming here illegally has been going on forever. That's you know, right. so forever that's worth it. Well, let's face it. It's too much now at the moment. Yeah. It is too much. It's overwhelming a lot of systems and it's hurting American citizens at emergency rooms, schools, police. Crime, all of it. It's too much. So we've got to get a handle on. It. And I, that's the, that's why it's a shame that the Republicans did that bill with the Democrats and then the other Republicans KO'd the bill in the Senate. It's a shame because it tells me they don't really want to solve the problem. They want the problem for November's election. They want seen horrendous scenes of migrants beating up the police and all this horrible stuff. They want that as a political issue for November. The only thing I, the only thing I wish is that President Biden had, had, uh, you know, talked about this earlier, like a, a year or two earlier, we, things might be different, you know, but he, yeah. and because in election year, this always happens. You know, this is nothing unusual, you know, that, that there's something that needs to get done and uh, that politics gets in the way. You know, this is unfortunately not, not unusual. It's, it's just this time it happens to be. Well, I know we're going to go to calls, but we can bring this up during the calls. too. I am sitting in the third congressional district in New York. Oh, that's right. Where there's a special congressional election this coming Tuesday. Yeah. This is the seat that I used to hold many years ago and is now was held by George Santos till they threw him out last fall. And the special is finally here on Tuesday. And. The main issue is this immigration issue and the Republican candidate. All she has done is pound that issue with $10 million of ads financed by the Republicans in Washington who are sort of using this as a lab experiment for November. Because I think if the Republican wins this seat on immigration on Tuesday, that will confirm what the Republicans hope, which is, that's their issue for this 2024 election. But if they don't win, then I think along with the collapse of the talks on immigration, because the Republicans pull the plug, I'm not sure that immigration is quite the issue politically. It's a huge issue. But whether it translates to votes, I don't know as much as Republicans hope. We'll see. Tuesday is a very good example. We'll, we'll see. What are the polls showing? I know polls don't mean to- totally very much these days, but what, what are the polls showing these days? For the well, election? yeah, I don't know what they mean, but I can tell you what they show. There have been three polls in the last few days that have the Democrat four or three points ahead and among likely voters a few more points than that ahead. So he is better known than the Republican. He used to be the congressman in this district. He's a moderate. They've tried to paint him as a whacked out lefty, which he's not. He's also, I think, a real jerk, but I know him. And most people don't know him. 
and the Republican is brand new, and she's not even a Republican. She's a registered Democrat. In my days in politics, the Republican Party would not run someone who was registered as a Democrat. They'd say to her, you want the nomination of the Republican Party. The first thing you got to do is change your registration and be a member of the Republican Party. But they didn't do that. So she's a Democrat. She's a very interesting lady. She's a, a Jew from Ethiopia who was moved, as they all the Ethiopian Jews were 30-plus years ago, to Israel. And she grew up in Israel and joined the Israeli Defense Force, was in the Army for a year or two. Then she met a guy and moved over here, has, I think, seven children. Yeah, yeah. And is the in the Nassau County, where we live, legislature as a Republican, even though she's registered, as I said, as a Democrat. And so it's her against this guy, Tom Swazi, with her pounding this immigration thing. And they've spent, when all said and done, it's going to be $25 million in TV ads, mailings, digital ads, Facebook, all that stuff. Crazy. Okay, so... You're listening to In Perspective. I'm Bob Branco, and obviously our co-host is Peter Rauchel. We're here with former New York Congressman John LeBoutlier, and it's time for our participants to ask the congressman questions. So let me turn it over to Cindy to find out if anybody has their hand raised. Yes, you have four hands up. All right, let's go for it. Okay, Musi, go ahead and unmute. Musi, welcome. Okay. Listen, I love this show or whatever you call it because it's, it's, uh, you, you hit every hot topic button there is and I, and uh, I enjoy it. But I want to say a word in defense of Joe Biden. I mean, who, you can mess up the names of the president of Mexico and Egypt. I mean, that doesn't make him a doddering old fool. I trust his, I, I trust that he knows what he's doing. That's, so that's what I wanted to say about it, that issue. But, there's so many issues you guys brought up. It's like, but I agree with almost everything our speaker says, the former congressman. Thank you very much. Bye. Before we go on to well, the next I, person, I, I, I want to make a comment about the, the Biden's, you know, sort of dotteriness. I think yeah. we get that he was a stutterer. Right. And I think right. a lot of what's happening is he's, he, you know, he was able to control it better then than he can now. And people are confusing it sometimes deliberately for, you know, senility. And I think it's, I think it's outrageous personally. Well, I, I, by the way, I don't think there's any senility in Joe Biden. I do agree with you. He's had the stammer all his life. You go back and look at Joe Biden in the 1970s when he was just new to the Senate. He stammered then. By the way, I'm about to sneeze and I excuse myself. Sorry. <laughs> You're uh, entitled to it. Uh, as- I want, excuse me, I want to address this nice lady's point because I never said he was doddering or anything. And yeah, okay. He confused some names, some names of foreign leaders, which I remember George W. Bush doing it. I remember Reagan doing it. The public doesn't know the names of these leaders either and they don't care. But as three years now into his presidency, Joe Biden is one of the most successful on policy now Uh 
presidents we've had in my lifetime. He's gotten more stuff done because he knows Washington inside out. For all those people who say, oh, let's take some outsider and throw them in. Let me ask you this question. You have a loved one, and the loved one is diagnosed with brain cancer, and you have to have surgery. Now, who do you want doing that surgery? You want someone who's never done the surgery, who says, you know, the entire medical establishment's corrupt, and only I know how to fix it. Oh, well, let me ask you, sir, have you ever even prepped a head for surgery? No, never have. But my uncle worked at MIT. He knew all about it. I'm a genius. I know what I'm doing. You want that? Or do you want someone who's been doing the operations for 50 years? Well, the answer is obvious. You want the latter. You want experience and wisdom and someone who's seen all this stuff. And and the thing is, I just sold Joe Biden better than Joe Biden sells himself. (laughs) So that that's the problem. But he he is effective. He's gotten all this stuff passed when they said he wouldn't get it. And that's one of the things that drives the MAGA Republicans crazy is they can't stop them from stuff. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Monsieur. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and thanks for the kind words. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's next? Okay, you have area code 281 ending in 665. You want to unmute and is that tell the representatives who you are. I don't that's know. The that's the Reverend. That's the Reverend Garrett. from Texas. Oh, that's his Garrett. I thought Michael. it was, but I didn't want to guess. You. Go ahead, Michael. You're on, Michael. Hello, hello, everybody, and and welcome back, Congressman. Hi, uh, Michael. Kind of, you've you've touched on a lot of the thing, things that I wanted to drag into this question, but I just kind of have a question about uh, Donald Trump's popularity, and and you know when people have the facts right in front of them, you fact check all of the the, the lies that he's told. Different fact check sources. You add them all up is over thirty thousand just in the just in the five years since his presidency. His his intent to 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 be a one day dictator. And if you believe that, I got a bridge over Brooklyn. I want to sell you. And, <laughs> and just his his whole demeanor and the way he his, the way he handles people. His his opinion. Uh, or the way people see him around the world, the relationship with different countries, people he wants to call friends, Putin, North Korea, uh, Hungary, those those type of people. Why can't his supporters see what the ultimate outcome will be if if he's reelected as president? Yeah, it's the greatest question. I ask myself the same thing. I talk to my friends about it a lot. No one knows. I mean, how come we see him the way we see him, but other people see him a totally different way? You know, I it, it's beyond me. I've always seen Trump for what he is. He's a con man, a shyster. He's been that way up here in New York. I kind of know Trump. I've done stuff over the years a little bit with Trump, and I never took him seriously. He's sort of a fool, actually. And now he's clever. I'll give him that. He he, he knows how to exploit things. 
But he's bad news, and he always has been. And his father was bad news, too. And- Michael, Michael, may I respond to your question? I have an opinion on that as to why Donald Trump became so popular. I think you have a large segment of the population. Whether Washington's doing a good job or not is not the, the issue. I think you have a large percentage of Americans who believe that there's too much bureaucracy in government, and they saw this opportunity, whether whether Trump was successful or otherwise, to have some some something that they called, for lack of a better term, refreshing. And I think that's where this started. Let me let me let me throw another possibility in the pot. I used to live on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, Congressman. You know that that part of Manhattan. Very yuppie, lots of liberal people there. And one of the things that drove me crazy when I lived up there is is that there are a lot of my stepmom's friends who'd say things like, who cares about the truck drivers? Who cares about the, the manufacturers of, you know, fill in the blank? They don't, they don't, they don't matter. You know, they're just people who are, I mean, they, they were, they were constantly talked down to and demeaned. And I think people, folks like Rush Limbaugh and people like that caught onto this. And it rang true to a lot of people, and Trump tapped into that as well. I also think that there is a perception that the government works for richer people and does not work for poor people, and especially for folks who live in rural areas of the country. And that kind of sort of condescension and is coming home to roost to the extent that come to the extent that it happened. And I saw a lot of it in in Manhattan, and it really irritated me then, and it irritates me more now because we're begin beginning to see the consequences. My big point yeah. on that, Peter, is that I don't think the rich people understand, and it's, that, that's my point. I don't think they understand that when the when the country falls, they're going down. I, I agree with you. Well, they're not, but the rich people generally are not supporting Trump. The people that are supporting Trump, generally, white men over fifty with college uh, with no college education. So, and he plays to them, and he's got them. They really dig him. White men over 50 with less than a college education. Now, it's not totally exclusive. There are college-educated people like Trump. There are some billionaires who give him money, which is amazing to me, that they would waste their money on him. But generally, his sweet spot are those people. And the higher up you go educationally, the less well he does. People, you know, it's the, the statistics show it. And abortion has driven this huge gender gap that's going to hurt him this year heavily with women. He gets men, as I said, white men over 50 with less than a college education. So the rest of the country says, hey, I don't dig the guy. I, I, AP has a poll out last summer. I keep going back to it. 52% of American voters said they would never vote again for Donald Trump. 52. And another 10% said probably would never vote against Trump. So you could push it up to 62%. But take the 52%. In a two-way race, if 52% are against you, you can't win. And you look at every poll, even now when Biden's down and all that, Trump gets to 46, 47. He never gets above that. And he's not going to get above it. Yeah, I I, I think, Michael, I, I don't want to take this too much longer as we have other calls or whatever you want to call it. 
I, I think you're right, Congressman. It's, 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 he, he, he is tapping into the total frustration of folks who feel unheard of, uh, you know, by the government. It's the, it's the poor folk and it's the rural part of, you know, I live in Coos Bay, Oregon. It's Trump country and large part because these people feel disrespected. Yeah. Well, the Democrats did disrespect. They did. Absolutely. And the Democrats and, and by the way, Trump was a Democrat at that time. It's true. He was. And those people were Democrats. Yeah. The white guys over 50, blah, blah, that whole group. They were all Democrats. They were union members, the whole bit. Well, they gave up on their union. They gave up on the Democratic party. They've come over to the Republican party. And as a Republican, I want them. We want them. Great. Welcome. But I don't want all their views. You know, I don't want the racism. I don't want the nativism. I don't like that. That's not how you win elections in America. You win by addition, adding people to your total and not driving them away. I mean, God, on Election Day, two weeks ago in the New Hampshire primary, Trump goes to a polling place. I saw this live on TV, gets out of the car and a gaggle of press interviews Trump. And they said, what do you, what do you say? What, what about all these voters that are here for Nikki Haley? What are you going to do about them for the general election? And Trump says, I don't need them. And whatever a politician says, I don't need voters. I got news for you. He's a loser. Yeah. Carrie Lake running last two years ago in Arizona when asked, what are you going to do about all the people who voted for John McCain over the years here? She said, I don't want them. And, of course, she lost. And it was close. If she properly wooed those people, she would have won. Never say you don't want anybody when you're running. Exactly. Because you need everybody. You should want everybody. Try to win every vote, every gender, color, religion. You're supposed to try to represent everybody. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Cindy, who do we have next? Okay. You have three hands up, and the next one is area code 317, ending in 317. You want to introduce yourself to the congressman and unmute. Okay. I am Pat, and I couldn't disagree more with your guest, although I thank him for serving the country. To call a group of people bad news, these individuals want an economy with less inflation than they have, They want the type of economy we had four years ago, whether that is correct or not. But they are legitimate Americans. We should not be disparaged. If you feel that they are wrong, that's one thing. Secondly, I'm not happy as to the way both parties have treated. We don't have much time because we're listening to politics here. And I am an independent. Haley has all been frozen out due to the Nevada primary. And RFK can't get any traction. And two-thirds of the public do not want a rematch of Donald Trump versus President Biden. As per the romanticized notion of immigration, I've lived in the third world. And what we have here is a criminal, and I'm not talking about the immigrants themselves. The cartels are bringing these people in. I speak several languages. I've talked to people. I've asked, where do you get your ID cards? It's You know, these people are indentured. They, of course, want to come here, but they're given false documents, and we need to limit the incentives that draws these people here. If we're giving people free housing, of course they're going to come here. Now, that doesn't mean that I am heartless 
or anyone else who holds this opinion is. Now, I'll just be very brief because I want to give other people a chance. But I'm sorry. Whether people disagree with these people or not, slamming voters just doesn't make it with me. Thank you. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. When, when, when MAGA heroes at the time, like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis, used taxpayer money to take these immigrants and throw them on airplanes and fly them to Cape Cod or whatever it was, Bob. Where was it? Wasn't it Cape, Cape Cod, Cod? And then in Abbott's case, Chicago. Yeah, and they lied to these people to and get them on the to, airplane. They lied to them and used them as a political prop because these two clowns wanted both at the time to run for president. And had that work out for DeSantis, who's a cruel bastard. And all, I forget what Pat exactly was referring to. I didn't say what she said I said. I just said people who favor Vladimir Putin, yeah, they're bad news. Vladimir Putin is bad news. AGB agents are bad news. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Not, none of us should. This is not right. My God, my uncle, after whom I'm named, died in World War II fighting against these bastards. And here we are 60, 75 years later, and we're all so touchy-feely. Oh, don't say something's bad because they support dictatorship. Are you kidding me? This country is the anti-dictatorship. We shouldn't be favoring it. We should be trying to stop it. Thank you. The problem is we have a political party that used to stand up to it. Up through my time when I was in there with Reagan, we stood up to the Soviet Union. It has done a complete 180 where they suck up now to Vladimir Putin, and they think they're heroes for standing up to Walt Disney. That's like the big enemy of the GOP, Disneyland. You've got to be kidding me. We have two minutes left, so we get time for one more. You've got Uh, actually three, according to Michael. I don't think we can do all all three. Uh, Let's do what we can. All right, Jane, you're up. Hello, Jane. Hi. I just get totally, totally frustrated with the fact that if people want left bureaucracy, they're showing up and they want a dictator when they think about Donald Trump, I, yeah. I just, they're idiots. That's all. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. What, I don't know what to say beyond that. Okay. I mean, well, I don't want to say any more. All right. Thank you. Good. Thank you for your comments. <laughs> uh, we have time for one more, I think. Yeah, you do. Okay. Area code 575, ending in 970. You want to introduce yourself to the congressman and unmute? Yes. This is Beth from New Mexico. Hey, Beth. About immigration. I hear in Jaws. I'm hearing no. Jaws. Go ahead, Beth. Yes. A lot of the Hispanics don't want a lot of these people that are coming in from the southern border because they're getting our free. People have been on the waiting lists for housing for years, and they're giving these people our housing and stuff like that. And that's not right. That's why a lot of people from here are starting to support Trump. Congressman? Yeah. Well, it's what we said. It's stressing the system in every way. Housing, schools, emergency rooms. Gym. Everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. 
Well, we need to take care of our own first. Well, that's a very popular idea, and and it's true. But when they're here, you can't be cruel to them. You can't, and you can't lie and throw them on an airplane to Cape Cod as if you're Mr. Tough Guy. By the way, DeSantis used taxpayer money to, it's beyond me, he uses Florida taxpayers' money, charters a plane, goes to Texas to pick these people up. They're never in Florida. Picks them up in Texas, flies, lies to where they're going, says you're going to get jobs and everything, flies them up to Cape Cod, dumps them out up there in the cold like, weather, too. I yes. mean, it's, it's really wrong. But he got his much. politically. He got his. He's finished politically. So. <laughs> Thank you very much, Beth. And I think we're out of time. Unfortunately, we couldn't take our last caller. We apologize to that caller for not taking him unless they want to ask something off the air to the congressman. But in the meantime, again, thank you, Congressman, for taking the time to be with us on In Perspective. We always love having you with us. You always provide us with a wealth of knowledge, and a lot of us learn from you, and we appreciate you very much. So thank you again. Thank you, guys. Love being on. And that call is going to get on. I'll be back in April, so they can call in. (laughs) You got it. We'll love to have you then. And, Peter, thank you. And. Cindy, everybody else. Next week, we have an author coming back on, Patty Fletcher. A lot of you are familiar with her. And go safe with God's abundant blessings. And have a great week, everybody. 